Hey people, what's happening? How's it going? Week getting off to a good start? Looking forward to a productive, fulfilling, fruitful week? Well, I hope it is because it's going to be a quiet week at the World of Sports despite the All-Star game that's uh, going to take place in Washington, D.C. tomorrow. You're listening to the J Reels Podcast, so if this is your first time, welcome. And if there's more than your first time, welcome back. I'll be bringing you all that's going on in the latest of the world of sports, whether it's on the diamond, the gridiron, the golf course, the ice, hardwood, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Rose podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect here on a Monday, as I'm recording this, July 16th in the year of our Lord, 2018. Lots to discuss here as we bring you the latest edition of this podcast so much to talk about, despite the fact that it's that slow period. This is one of the slowest weeks of the sports year when you think about it. Usually between Christmas and New Year's, especially if it doesn't fall, the NFL weekend, if it doesn't fall on a Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, generally it's quiet within that week. I understand there's a bunch of bowl games, college basketball is getting started, and we know the NBA and NHL is more than kicked off. But now that we're here in mid-July – with no other sports around, World Cup is done, Wimbledon's done. Of course, no basketball or hockey to be found, although training camps in the NFL open next week. It's all focused on baseball, and the nation's capital will be the spotlight tonight. Eh, home run derby, but even more so tomorrow night with the All-Star game, which has become a snooze over the years. But anyway, I will uh, bring you up to speed what's going on. So again, I'm gracious and grateful, thankful for you to download and listen into this program over the course of the next however long it may be today. Who knows? Could be 45 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour, over an hour. Well, anyway, let me bore you with all, not bore you, excuse me, with all the minutiae and just get right to it. Uh, as I said a couple of times, All-Star Week is here. Let the trade machine start to begin as far as rumors are concerned. I'll get into that. I'll get into a little bit of what's going to take place poss- possibly in the second half of the Major League Baseball season with the locals, including the trade deadline. Rumors, which I'll get into, especially with Manny Machado, which is hard to fathom when you think about it for the Yankees, as if they need another right-handed hitting power, you know, position player. So that, and also uh, we'll recap the World Cup. Also some Wimbledon notes, especially with Serena making it to the finals but not winning. Sorry for the spoiler alert who have not followed sports in the last few days. Uh, Kevin Knox, the uh, NHL's Ray Emery, who passed away, got a couple of words on him, and then also a health update from my uh, last week when I closed out the program, talking about uh, the heart, which I will close out the show discussing that. Well, to begin, the All-Star Week is finally here. Now, I understand the season is more than halfway done. A lot of teams have played 96, 97 games. The Mets have played 94 Yankees have played 98, I believe. And although technically it's the halfway point of the season, of course it's well beyond that in terms of games being played. So now as we're here looking to see what we've got as far as the MLB, not only just from the New York perspective, but from the landscape is concerned, before I even get into all that, the possible potential moves that could be made here over the course of the next two and a half weeks, Really, when you think about it, 15 days from today. And then after that, you'll have your waiver wire deals, which will uh, take place after August, where there'll be just fringe deals. You're not going to see any major players being moved uh, after the 31st. But you never know. With the uh, MLB and how it's been 
uh, periodically over the course of the years. Remember that big deal with Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford going from the Red Sox to the Dodgers? Uh, that was a post-waiver wire deal, and who would have thought that a blockbuster deal of that magnitude would have taken place? But again, that's a special deal. You're not going to get too many of those types of blockbuster slash enormous trades that could impact the postseason or certainly impact the pennant race. But again, with uh, baseball, you just never know. We'll kick off this whole segment with the Manny Machado to the Yankees, which I can't believe this is getting any type of traction, only because why would Brian Cashman entertain the thought of bringing a guy like Manny Machado to a right-handed hitting dominant lineup as it is to make it even that much more right-handed hitting dominant. And I get the Yankee fans going to say, hey, bring him on. Let's bring in Machado. Let's get that guy. Let's just mash the ball out of the ballpark and win that way. Well, as if you're not doing that already, well, you need another guy that's going to be in your lineup that's going to crack you know, anywhere between 35, 40 home runs this year. And then if you're the Yankees, and I understand Brian Cashman's good with these deals, I understand it's not a desperate need. And I'm sure he's going to say any type, any time that a player like Manny Machado comes through the pipeline, you're going to have to keep your ears open and possibly even think about acquiring a talent like that. I get it. But with him being a rental, because we all know he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, number one. Number two, it's not as if the Yankees can't resign him because we know that they're going to have plenty of money to do so, especially after the luxury tax will get raised at the end of the season. But why would he even think knowing that his starting rotation certainly needs some improvement, that why even think about trying to bring a guy like Manny Machado in? Just To me, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I'm not trying to say that they have to go out and get that ace starter because they have that in Luis Severino. But with Tanaka, who finally came off the DL last week, and knowing that you need to have another guy in that rotation, whether he's a 2A or a 3 starting pitcher, you'll certainly take it. And in the process, you won't have to give up much for it. Whereas with Manny Machado, despite the fact of him being a rental, you know you're going to have to chalk up a lot of big talent just to get him back. And if I'm the Orioles, and I understand they're going to be under pressure to trade this man because they know that they're not going to get anything for him once he walks in free agency. So it's going to be a game of chicken because if I'm the Orioles and I'm their GM, the first person I'm asking for is Gleyber Torres. And if you're a Yankee fan and you say, oh, no way Gleyber Torres is going to be on the table, well, you're bringing back a guy, Manny Machado, who's a gold glove, perennial all-star, a proven commodity, and we know from year in and year out he is by far one of the top five players in baseball. Obviously, Glibertorius, can he be that? He can. Is he that right now? Absolutely not. And with him about to, I think he just turned 26, and walking into his free agent year, he still has plenty of productive years ahead of him. So why not even think about, oh, if you're the Orioles, I'm trading my guy for Glibertorius is going to be first in line. And I understand the Yankee fan, they're going to get all crazy, and they're going to say, no, I'm not putting him on the table. I'm not putting Andohar. We'll give you Drury, Justice Sheffield, and Clint Frazier. That's not going to cut it for a guy like Manny Machado. Have you looked at the guy's back of the baseball card? And granted, you could say, oh, he hasn't won anything. He hasn't won an MVP. He hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. Yeah, But you know, again, 
he is a top five player in baseball, not in the American League, in baseball. And if you had to rank him, which I'll go through quickly, if you had to rank the top five players in baseball right now, of course, Trout is at the top. You look at Machado. Me, personally, I think Nolan Arenado is the top five player in baseball. And people could even argue that Arenado is just as good as Manny Machado. The thing is that he plays in Colorado. He doesn't get a lot of pub because he's on the West Coast and he plays on a team that's good. But, you know, they're not a perennial threat when it comes to winning a National League. I put him at number three. You have to put, as much as people may argue this, you have to put Jose Altuve as a top five player in baseball. And then your fifth guy could be anywhere between Paul Goldschmidt, Aaron Judge, you know, guys like that. So Machado, I'm sorry, Yankee fans, if you're going to, if you really want this guy, and if you think that, hey, bringing Machado in, we need a third baseman, so what, we'll ship Andujar? All right, fine, but Andujar could go in that trade, but Glyber has to go in that trade as well. Sorry. And I'm sure the Yankee fan will back off of that. I think Cashman and company, what they really need to focus on is their starting pitching. And even if you want to get bullpen help, that's great. I mean, they're already deep to begin with at bullpen. And we all know who the faces and bodies are. But how is it that you're going to look at this team, especially from an offensive standpoint, and you got to bring in another bopper? Even if it was a left-handed hitter. And the Yankees could use some left-handed pop. We all know the only guy in the lineup of substance when it comes to having power is Didi and Greg Bird, but of course, can you really trust Greg Bird as far as his health is concerned? And before people get crazy, oh, Brett Gardner can hit home runs. Yeah, he can hit home runs, but he's not a home run hitter. So if you're a Yankee fan and I understand you want to stockpile your team with a bunch of all-stars, and that's great, but just remember two things. One, it's about pitching in the postseason and timely hitting, and I gutted that Bringing in a guy like Machado is only going to enhance that lineup even more as if it doesn't need a facelift. And I hate to say it, not to compare it to plastic surgery, but it's like the Yankees right now, they've gotten their butt lifted, their breasts done, and their chins. And now it's like, you know what? Let me just get a nose job on top of that and bring in Machado. That's what it is. So Cashman and company, I think at the end of the day, the Machado rumors will just not float. I think they'll float elsewhere. In fact, the Red Sox are trying to get into the mix, which I find that surprising too. I mean, the Red Sox, they're, they've been a juggernaut. I mean, they haven't, you know, they've won 13 in the last 14 games. They lead the division by three and a half, and here they are trying to get into the Machado mix. I don't know if that's because of what's emanating out of the Bronx, that they feel that maybe they have to kind of pursue that, that, arms race of, oh, no, if the Yankees are going to do that, we have to do one better or we have to see if we can get somehow in some way into the fold. We'll see. I, I, listen, I have no clue where Machado's going to go. He would probably make more sense going to a team in the National League because obviously the Astros aren't going to acquire him. The Mariners or even the Oakland A's, they're certainly not going to reach out to acquire him. And even in the Indians, for that matter. Indians have a comfortable lead in their division. You would think he'd go to either the Dodgers. You've heard, you know, heard rumors about Machado maybe going to the Cubs. So uh, that he's going to be the fascinating chip here over the course of the next two weeks. So you're going to be Machado to death 
with rumors. So you only hope that this comes sooner than later, but you would think this is going to go right up to the last hour, right up to the last day, or maybe, you know, those final couple of days. So we'll certainly uh, keep our eye on that. As far as the Mets moves are concerned, as I said last week, to me, anybody's on the table. The whole DeGrom, Syndergaard thing, you can forget it. You know that that's going to be ratcheted up come this weekend when the Mets invade the Bronx and play the Yankees for three games where Noah Syndergaard is actually pitching that first game. And that's the one thing. You don't get the sexy matchup of Jacob DeGrom and Luis Severino on Sunday night considering both pitchers are all-stars and in all likelihood they will pitch in the all-star game tomorrow night. But they're holding out Severino for the Tampa series because the Yankees are pitching Domingo Herman on Friday, on Saturday, Sonny Gray, and on Sunday, Masahiro Tanaka. So you're going to get Severino, Sabathia in Tampa, and in the following series they play Kansas City. So it's not as if they're trying to stockpile their studs for, let's say, Boston, or if they're going up against Houston, obviously they're done with the Astros for the year. But for whatever the reason, at least as of today, Aaron Boone has saved Severino for the Mets series, or for after the Mets series, excuse me. Now, with the Mets, all the rumors are going to start with the Grom, with Syndergaard this weekend. I don't think they'll go anywhere. I'll actually be surprised unless they get blown away with an offer, which you can understand. But with the Mets and the pieces that you would think, or at least I would think that would go, would be Asdrubal Cabrera, who's had a phenomenal year. I mean, think about it. The guy has been their MVP, let's face it, other than Jacob DeGrom, of course. 17 home runs, he's batting 280. Certainly plug him into a team that's going to be in a pennant race. I wouldn't be surprised. Think about this. You know, trade him to Cleveland. That's the team he originally came up with. Now, I understand whatever pieces that they may have set as far as their infield concern. Well, maybe he can play third base. Maybe he can play second. You know, why not? I know Jason Kipnis is having an awful year. And I understand he's making whatever it is he's making as I believe he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. But you know what? Send him to Cleveland. You're not going to send him to a team that's going to be part of a pennant race. And if you're John Ricco, J.P. Ricciardi, and Omar Minaya, I don't care by any means. When you trade him, just pay Cabrera the rest of his money for this year, which I believe, what is it, about $4 million, and get back something of some substance. And what I mean by that is when you look at the deals that Sandy Alderson made last year, whether it's for Jay Bruce, for Lucas Duda, guys like that, where they got prospects ranked in those organizations that they traded with, where it was Cleveland or Tampa, you know, they got their 30th ranked prospect. You know what? Pay the rest of the contract. Maybe get somebody in the middle. Maybe, hey, you get their 10th prospect in their system or their 12th, whatever it may be. You understand for Asdrubal Cabrera, you're not going to get back their top prospect or even their fifth best prospect. But you know what? Hey, maybe you could start at five and work your way down, and you never know. Maybe a team is desperate. Maybe says, hey, you know what? He's worth the risk, even though they're paying the money and he's only going to be here for the rest of this year. But if you're trying to win a World Series and you get a guy like that, maybe they'll give you the fifth best prospect. Why not? Same thing with Familia. Make a deal with the Astros. Try to get somebody from their farm system. And what is Familia owed for the rest of this year? Not going to be that much. 
As if it's not as if the Mets can't afford it. Give me a break. Because I understand people going to look at the angles like, well, try to trade Ahmed Rosario because he's a young piece. Well, you're not going to get too much back from him. You know, it's not as if he's playing like Miguel Andujar or Gleyber Torres where, A, even if he was playing like that, there's no way you trade him, number one. But number two, because he's not playing like that, don't expect to get top flight prospects or top flight players in return. So if you're the Mets, you got to hold on to a guy like that, or even Conforto for that matter. Brandon Nimmo. I understand Nimmo has some value right now, but again, you just want to trade off your young players just like that? I understand people say, oh, Dom Smith. What are you going to get for Dom Smith? So this is why the Cabreras, the Familia, those are the top two right off the bat will go. Because anybody else besides the two pitchers, nobody wants on your team. Nobody. Nobody's taking Jose Reyes. Todd Frazier's hurt. Nobody's taking him. Other than Familia in that bullpen, nobody's taking Jerry Blevins. Forget about the Tim Petersons of the world and the Jacob Rames. Nobody's touching those guys. So you're looking at Cabrera being one and Familia 1A. And that's it. And you just only hope that the front office does right by getting something in return that you can look at and say, all right, well, let's see how this plays out. As opposed to them saying, all right, we're going to trade you to Houston, familiar, but we want Houston to pick up the rest of the money, and therefore they're just going to give you pretty much a bag of baseballs. Or the same with Cabrera. Hey, we'll trade you to Cleveland or to L.A. or whatever, but we're not picking up the tab. So, yeah, we'll just send back a few of Max Muncy's uh, home run derby bats. As that's what it's going to be. Sad but true. So we're going to hear that for the next 16 days. Obviously, the rumor mill is going to start getting churned up today, even into tomorrow and past the All-Star break. Because remember, a lot of these teams don't start until Friday. you got a few series. I think one series is only starting on Thursday, which is St. Louis, Chicago. But everybody else is starting Friday. So it's going to be a real snooze fest of a week when it comes to sports concern. Uh, of course, the ESPYs are on Wednesday, which I could care less. Uh, if you're a sports fan, you certainly don't watch that. I mean, that please. Again, you know the theory, people. It's in the backyard. Lines are getting drawn. So with that being said, it's going to be a whirlwind of trade rumors highlighted by Manny Machado at the top, and rightfully so. And uh, here locally, we'll see what the Mets and Yankees will do, obviously, in the course of uh, the next 15 days. And with that, we had a Subway Series Round 2 coming up, which I'm not going to really preview. I told you the pitching matchups. Well, really, I told you what the Yankees are throwing at. The Mets are going to have Noah Syndergaard Friday, Stephen Matt Saturday, and Jacob deGrom on Sunday. That's Sunday night, and it's Saturday afternoon, so it's not the three-night games like we usually get. Uh, I guess with the Mets being so bad, Fox isn't picking up the Saturday night game. So, hey, you got a 1 o'clock game. The weather's supposed to be nice in New York this coming weekend, low 80s, so... Who knows? If you're able to get a ticket and you want to sit outside and watch some baseball, hopefully competitive baseball, <laughs> then you have uh, that to chew on. And if you're a Met fan, all you look at this weekend, and the pitching matchups are in your favor, which is surprising when you think about it. Because, again, no Severino, even CeCe for that matter, who had a rough start his last start in Cleveland, but overall he's pitched very well this year. I know if ladies had his moments, he hasn't been that effective. But, again, he has certainly been very good this year, pretty much picked up from where he left off last year in the postseason. And if you're a Met fan like myself, 
the only thing that you think of, there's three words, the only thing you think of this coming weekend is don't get embarrassed. That's it. You know, they didn't get embarrassed when they played the Subway Series last month. And you only hope that that's the same this time around. And with the pitching matches in your favor, hopefully the starters will go long because you don't want to rely on that bullpen. And, hey, if the Mets could squeeze out a victory, if they squeeze out two, I mean, geez, that would be enormous. But, as I said, don't get embarrassed because as a Mets fan, you don't expect to win any of these games. You don't expect to win the series, let alone a game. But, well, we'll see what happens. And as far as to document the first half of this baseball season, you know, as far as your surprises and disappointments, things of that nature, you know, I could go through all the divisions and what have you, but to me what it breaks down to when you look at both leagues, I'll start with the American League. To me the biggest surprise there, and I understand people could say Seattle with the way, you know, they played without Robinson Cano, who's, of course, on the 80-game PED suspension list. But the Oakland A's, uh, listen, can anybody name five Oakland A's? Off the top of my head, I got to think. You know, it's it would really be hard to come up with five guys. I don't even know who their all-star representative is, and that's that should tell you everything about the Oakland A's this year. Because right now, they are three games back of Seattle for the second wild card spot. They are fifty-five and forty-two. They're on pace to they're on pace to probably win ninety-five games. Oakland A's. So if anybody had them as an over this year, boy, they, they got to be doing backflips. To me, that has to be the biggest surprise because nobody expected the Oakland A's, as I just said, not knowing who their you know top players are on the team, to be 13 games over 500, three games back of a wild card spot, and in the division, they're eight games back ahead of Houston, and they just finished playing four games in Houston just last week. But I would think not only just in the American League, they're probably the biggest surprise in baseball. You know, you also look at the Rays. And what they've done, you know, at the break here, 49-47. Now, nobody's expect them to make a, a run at a wild card. I think they're what? Uh, I've had to look right now. Yeah, yeah, they're about five or six games back of a wild card. Maybe even more than that as I'm looking. I may be looking at this wrong. But still, they played some very effective baseball. You got Blake Snell now who everybody was riffing about him being snubbed. Not making it to the AL All-Star team. Well, he's going to make it now. As you had one of the pitchers drop out due to injury. On top of my head, I can't remember who it was. But still, you know, good for Blake Snell. He deserves it. And he's going to get a chance to be center stage, I'm sure, at some point tomorrow night down in D.C. As far as the National League is concerned, a lot of people are going to look at the East and say the Phillies or the Braves are probably a year ahead of schedule. More so the Braves because... The Braves had a lot of the young players. We understand the Freddie Freemans of the world and Nick Marcakis's guys like that who have been mainstays on the team for years. But to have their pitching perform pretty well, of course the two rookies coming up and producing the way they have so far this season have certainly, I think, been the biggest surprise in the National League by far. You know, I understand people go, oh, what about the Brewers, Jay Reels? Well, the Brewers... You know, they made the trade for Yelich. They signed Lorenzo Cain in the offseason. You know, they a lot of people thinking that Milwaukee could be in the mix to try to trade for Noah Syndergaard because they have some players in their farm system. So I can't look at them as a surprise. And 
even though the way the Dodgers have performed, remember they were 16 and 26, and now they're in first place here at the break. So they climb back from that big hole that they started off, you know, 10 games under, you know, 40 something games into the season. And here they are now, have righted the ship in their first place there in the National League West. You would think that they would, I'm not going to say they're going to take off, but you would think that they would pretty much hold the fourth down in the NL West. You know, pretty much from here on out. Now, again, Arizona's just a half game back. You have Colorado two back, and then the Giants at four back. So there's a little bit of a logjam there on the top of the West, and I'm sure it's going to be a battle from here on out. But you would think with the way they performed and the way they've bounced back that, not to say it's going to be smooth sailing, but you would think that the Dodgers would certainly take over the West and pretty much ride off into the NL West pennant sunset. And as far as your disappointments are concerned, and I know I didn't mention the Phillies I, as far as the surprises. I mentioned more Atlanta. Philly, again, you know, bringing in Arietta, Carlos Santana. You know, they were a team that was ready to take that leap. It was just a matter of Gabe Kapler was going to, you know, as a first-time manager. And we know he got off to a slow start, but now they've certainly had performed well. Had a little bit of a hiccup there in Miami, losing the back two of that series. But, you know, Philly, I would think, will be there in the thick of things in the NL East for the rest of the season. As far as the disappointments are concerned, the first team I look at, and how could you not, are the Nationals. Now, the Nationals were a team that a lot of people thought, even with another first-time manager, Dave Martinez, with all the talent that they had and the impending free agency with Bryce Harper, him having a monster year, you know, Ryan Zimmerman, who had a great year last year, who's been hurt, who's had nothing anything comparable to the year that he had last year. But people were thinking, hey, it's probably going to be the Nats and the Mets fighting it out for the National League East. Not the case. They split a series against the Mets this weekend, which for them, they're fortunate because if they would have lost the game yesterday, it would have been two games under 500 heading into the break. Instead, they're 48 and 48, although five and a half back. So they're certainly within striking distance. I mean, again, there's still a ton of games to be played. But the Nationals, you would think, if they've been in this malaise all season, how are they going to snap out of it? And then as the days check off the calendar and as time starts to not be on their side if they continue to play this way, then all you're going to hear pretty much from late August into September is the Bryce Harper watch. So they, to me, they're disappointment number one. I know people could look at the Twins as a disappointment considering they made the postseason last year, overachieved. Uh, but the Twins, I mean, are you surprised that they're, you know, six games under 500 at the point, at this point of the year? Absolutely not. And uh, let's face it, the other disappointment has to be the Mets. And we've talked about it for weeks on end here in the podcast, so you know where I'm going with this. But, you know, at 39 and 55, whatever their record is, is it 39 and 55? Yeah, 39 and 55, sharing last place with the Marlins. And forget about the 11-1 start, and we all know about that. But if I think if any true baseball fan, if you would have asked them at the start of the year, not only would the Mets be in last place, but would have a record of 39-55, you would say no. And what's weird is because the Met number, I think, this year, their over-under number was 80-and-a-half, I think. And the funny thing is, is that when you look at that number, although you could say it sounds about right, but the Mets were either going to obliterate that number over or under either way. It wasn't going to be anywhere near 80 and a half. So in other words, 
the Mets weren't going to be tooth and nail to the very end trying to reach that number. You're either going to know early on or at this point of the season whether they were going to be in the high 80s into the 90s or in the low 70s and, God forbid, into the 60s. And with the way things are going this year, their projected record is 67-95, and which is just an out-and-out disaster. But again, I'll get more about in the Mets later on as the season progresses. We'll look at how the trade deadline goes. And we got all of our August and September to get into that and certainly into the offseason to, the, you know, to discuss the Mets' fate moving forward. So, uh, And then also, I don't know if this is more of a disappointment, I guess because their model of consistency and the way they played the Cardinals, and we understand they've had injuries early on. You know, Molina was out. He's back now. But, you know, firing Matt Matheny, or Mike Matheny, excuse me, their uh, former manager, now they brought in uh, Mike Schilt to replace him as the interim and maybe that was their wake-up call. Maybe that was their time to shake things up to make sure that, hey, if we're going to make a run of this thing, you know, we're going to start with the manager and hope the players certainly regroup, snap out of it, and get back on the beam here. You know, you heard a lot of stuff about Dexter Fowler not getting along with the manager over the last couple of months. Then you had that incident in the locker room with the pitchers, and even though they downplayed it and said everything is fine with Bud Norris and the other kid, but... You know, they said everything was fine. Jordan Hicks, kid I'm referring to, supposedly that is spat in the locker room. So who knows if Matheny was losing the locker room from the start of the year. Excuse me, considering that Fowler and the center fielder and the former manager weren't able to get along or weren't on the same page. So they made a move there, and let's see if that bodes well for them here in the second half of the season. That's pretty much it with your baseball people. I mean, as far as the All-Star game, I can't get into it. It's funny, as I look at the date, it was uh, five years ago tonight, the game at City Field, which I talked about last week, which was a bore. But the All-Star game certainly not what it once was. I know a lot of people are going to look at the Home Run Derby tonight, which is a joke in a way because how is it that you have eight contestants and seven of them from the National League? And I get that there are a lot of players that, whether they performed in it in the past or – even last year, like Judge, you know, not looking to – maybe he wanted to not participate only because what it affected him last year. Remember he had that shoulder issue, which he didn't talk about, and he had gotten off to a slow start there in the second half until September when he ratcheted up and obviously took off and pretty much captured the American League Rookie of the Year. But you got to wonder that they couldn't get another guy from the American League to join this thing. Is it that bad that players don't want to – be a part of the All-Star festivities as far as the home run derby is concerned. And I understand it's a ton of swings. It's not like it once was, though, where, you know, it's a, it's a clock. So, you know, yeah, you pace yourself. I understand you're trying to beat the clock and try to swing for the fences, hit as many home runs as possible. But it's not like before where I think that, you know, with the outs, it just dragged on forever. Where here, it's like, hey, you got four minutes to knock them out, and if you can't do it, then so be it. So I don't know, although it's improved in that regard, but they certainly should have a little bit more balance between the National League and American League. You know, the only American League player is uh, Alex Bregman. Excuse me, Alex Bregman. So I'm sure people will get into that. Maybe I'll tune in. I know Harper is the hometown hero there. A lot's going to be said about his contribution and his participation in this event. So we'll see how that uh, shakes down tonight if you're into that. And that's pretty much the baseball here for this first half. On to a few other things before we sign off. 
the World Cup final yesterday between Croatia and France. A high-scoring one, 4-2. to two. I know Croatia griped about something. I didn't watch the game. I know people look at me and say, like, Jay Reels, it's the World Cup final. you got to get into this. Nah, you know, again, if you've heard the last couple of podcasts, sorry, it's not a sport that I'm just going to gravitate to. And it certainly wasn't a matchup I was going to gravitate to either. And that's not to say if it was Brazil and England or Colombia and Spain or whatever that, oh, yeah, you know what? I would certainly be attracted to or want to be attracted to watch that. No, just not the case. And, in fact, I'm glad it's over because, you know, so many people got wrapped up into it. And to me, in about three months, when you ask somebody, hey, who won the World Cup? So I'm sure people have to stop and think about, uh, oh, yeah, was it France? And that just that goes to show you all you need to know about how popular the sport here is in, is in this country. And, again, I'm not trying to – I know it sounds like I'm knocking the sport. I have issues with the sport. If you heard the last podcast, if you haven't, please feel free to download it. You hear for yourself. In fact, I start off the program with that. But I just have no – I just had zero interest. None. And until they change some of those rules, and they'll never change it. I mean, please, you know, they're going to look at me and laugh and be like, huh, like, who are you? You haven't watched five minutes of soccer, and now you're going to come in and try to revamp and retool the game? But guess what? If you want to try to get my attention, if you want to make me become more attracted to your sport, then guess what? I actually had a discussion yesterday about it where I just didn't understand the running time after the 90 minutes. Why can't they stop the clock? If there's an injury on the field, why can it be sudden death? All those things. And to me, those are important things. If there's sudden death in the NFL postseason, if there's sudden death in Stanley Cup playoff hockey, of course, it's not sudden death in the NBA, but you got five minutes. But guess what? If it's four overtimes in a Game 7 NBA final, guess what? They're playing the fifth. They're not going to say, okay, oh, everybody's tired. Everybody's just winded. They don't know what to do. All right, so we'll just... Shoot three pointers, and whoever gets the most three pointers wins the NBA title. I mean, that's to me, it's a joke. And I understand people, the soccer fans, are gonna laugh at me, and say, ah, "Jay Reels, you just lost. You don't get it." Well, guess what? I'll get it if those rules are changed, because then you'll have classic games. Until then, it's just a joke. And granted that they didn't get that in the final yesterday, where it went down to shootout or to a shootout, but that's just how I feel about it. People, I don't know what else to tell you. So your World Cup has uh, come and gone, and we'll see you in 2022. And and this goes to show you, I don't even know where the next World Cup is going to be played at. I understand I could have researched it, looked it up beforehand. We know in 2026 it's going to be in U.S., Canada, and Mexico, which that, I, I don't know how you even feel about that. Why can't they just have it in one location? And I get that they want to spread it throughout you know, North America. Okay, that's fine. But where are they holding the... World Cup final, or the semifinals, where is that going to be? Is that going to be in Mexico? Is that going to be in Canada? I understand they got eight years to figure it out, or it's not going to take them that long. Let's say six years to figure it out, because I'm sure once they're two years out from that 2026 World Cup, they want to have everything set up as far as the headquarters, people stationed in certain parts of the country, or whatever this final may be. I get that, but I, I couldn't even tell you. And even more so in 2022, please, I could just throw a dart in the map and hope that that's where it's going to be. I, could, I I don't know. I don't. Oh, so anyway, that's your World Cup. That's your soccer. 
And, um, yeah, anybody wants to, I wish this is where I had a two-way sports talk telephone number where people would call in because I'm sure I would get blasted. But you know what? Guess what? I'd certainly have my opinions and my thoughts, and uh, it's not as if I'm going to cower and be like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. I'd be like, no, change the game. And don't change it for Jay Reels. I'm sure I'm not the only one out there that feels the same way. I'm sure there are plenty of others, especially around my age, that know the sport would be that much more engaging or even, I don't want to say entertaining, but it would be that much more compelling if certain things were changed. And to me, they're not outlandish things. So we'll see how that uh We'll see how that goes. We still got another four years to the next one, and uh, who knows? By the next podcast, I will uh, certainly know where it's going to be. The World Cup that is, and uh, yeah, we could squash the notion that uh, as much as I don't care, but at least I'll know where that next World Cup will be. All right. Anyway, I digress. Uh, a few other things. Uh, Kevin Knox on the Knicks. He's certainly been killing it in the summer league. I understand for what that's worth, but. You know, the Knicks fan wants to boo and they want to go ahead and, you know, bring in a Michael Porter Jr. and have him go crazy and, you know, just on a draft pick. But, you know, he has to perform. And I'd never get crazy about Summer League. I know my brother Justin, although this year he's kind of, I don't want to say downplayed, he hasn't followed it as much. But the good thing is, is that if you're a Knicks fan, you got to be ecstatic knowing that the performance of this kid so far because you want to have any glimmer of hope when it comes to any of the young guys that you draft, whether it was Nilakina last year, whether it was Porzingis three years back, and then now here with Kevin Knox, you just want him to progress. And you can't base everything on Summer League because if you're going to do that, obviously you're going to get disappointed. You know, Because, again, he's going up against other guys that aren't either going to make the league or – they're going to be in the league, but they're going to be in the same position as he is. That's why it's summer league. Either walk-ons, undrafted free agents, players like that. But uh, it's a good sign to hear that he's doing well because you certainly don't want him not doing well or even worse, injured. So if you're a Knicks fan, I'm sure you've got to be excited just to hear the glimmer of hope of news coming out of their camp that you know Kevin Knox has had a very productive and fulfilling training camp. Or as I should say, summer league. Training camp obviously is not until September, but you get the gist. And there was some sad news in the NHL yesterday with uh, Ray Emery, the former goalie who played uh, several teams, played on the Ottawa Senators, the Flyers, won a Stanley Cup as a backup of uh, Corey Crawford on the Blackhawks back in 2013, died of a, an, a drowning incident in Ontario. And when I read that, of course, you know, just tragic news. But uh, the thing I take away from Ray Emery, and for those who know me and know how I feel about old-time hockey, especially, you know, 70s into the 80s, is that Emery was uh, he was an aggressive SOB. You know, two of the things, and I, I watched them and I uh, just with delight, is the game against Buffalo, I think it was an 06-07 season, when he fought uh, Matthew Barone, the uh, Buffalo Sabres opposing goalie, and then later on, he fight, he's fighting their resident tough guy, Andrew Peters, in the same – look that up on YouTube. Just type Ray Emery, I guess Buffalo Sabres. I'm sure probably one of the first – or Ray Emery, Andrew Peters. You type that up, and you'll be entertained. And there isn't one person in that crowd that is booing or running to the exits or, or shrieking in horror that these players are on the ice fighting. No, that's why fighting needs to stay in the NHL. 
Obviously, it'll never be what it once was. And before I get off my soapbox talking about fighting in the NHL, when you watch that highlight, you'll see not only how entertaining it was, and you see, Emery's actually laughing while he's fighting, which is, I, I find that even more comical. But, you know, may, may he rest in peace. Just uh, some sad news coming out of uh, the NHL there yesterday. You know, may he rest in peace. And obviously, all our thoughts and prayers go out to his family, friends, former teammates, etc. Ray Emery uh, dies at the age of 35. And uh, to speak about health, lastly, I know last week I came on the air and I talked about taking this test, this coronary artery calcium scan, which I'm going to take this Thursday. So everything's fine. The cardiologist even looked at me and says, what are you doing here? You know, I, not that I guess he was expecting a different type of patient. Who knows? But I'll keep people posted. Hopefully I have the results there before the next program, next Monday. I actually may have another program later this week, which I'll get into in a minute. But um, yes, just informing everybody who's listening, especially when you're my age, you get into your 40s, when you know that, hey, you need to clean up your diet a little bit, exercise a little bit, make sure that you know your ticker is running at peak form. Certainly get that exam. You will not regret it, even if you have to pay for it. It's your life we're talking about. And we all know you can't put a price tag on your health. So, again, coronary artery calcium scan. For those interested, just go to your physician, talk to them about it. I'm sure they may look at you like you have 10 heads or they may not even be too familiar with that. I mean, the physicians, they should know. But at the same time, how many of their patients come in and say, hey, I want to get this CAT scan. How do I get this taken care of? So just keep that in the back of your heads, people. All right, now as far as the an upcoming show this week, I'm uh, working on Scott and Jerome. Remember them from – my early March, I think it was episode four or five, one of those where we were discussing the 2018 Mets season. Well, we're going to reconnect hopefully this week. I'll try to get it up by Friday if we do, and I'll keep people posted on my social media sites at uh, Instagram, J Reels, Facebook, the J Reels Podcast, and of course, Twitter, J Reels One. So you definitely want to keep yourself posted with that. I'm hoping to get them in the mix. That should be an interesting podcast, just kind of recapping the first half, where the Mets should go here in the second half as far as their personnel is concerned, and then obviously the offseason, which will be a tremendous one for whomever it is that they may bring in. Chances are, and one last thing on that, the Mets may actually bring in a GM from the outside, which would be phenomenal because having John Rico at the helm, even with J.P. Ricciardi, and I understand Omar Minaya on a lesser scale, uh, having those guys in the front office in the mix as far as choosing personnel, players, etc., it scares me half to death. So they're going to make some moves. They're going to make some changes there in the front office, and who knows if the manager's going to go. But hopefully we'll get into that with Scott and Jerome before the end of the week, and we'll have that up uh, by Friday. I would like to have it up before the Subway Series and not after. So certainly keep that uh, in the back of your head. Uh, certainly appreciate all the support, love, uh, whatever it may be, because uh, without you guys, and I really sincerely mean this, without you, there is no show. And I could understand, I could pump out a show each and every week, but without word of mouth from you guys, spreading the word to your friends, family, whoever it may be, <clears throat> excuse me, that are interested in sports, it uh, goes beyond a thank you. In fact, thank you twice more than once. And the way you could do that is if you go to your phones, Go to your podcast, whatever it is, whether it's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher. Just go there. And actually on Spotify. I just got to double check because Spotify sent me an email last week. And they said that, congratulations, your podcast is now on Spotify. 
I do not have an account, but I think it's on there. So if anybody could go on Spotify and confirm that and send me whatever, email at the jreelspodcast at gmail.com or shoot me an inbox, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. I would greatly appreciate that. Again, go subscribe. Please feel free to leave a review, post a rating, whatever it may be, because again, and I can't stress it enough, people, we all know that the sports podcast universe is very competitive. So with your contribution and participation in subscribing and leaving a note, posting a review, hey, you want to put five stars? I would greatly appreciate it. If you put four stars, four and a half, whatever it is, I don't care. As long as you post something and if you like what you hear, please feel free to do that because it only increases popularity of this podcast and in turn will attract more guests, better guests, whatever it may be. I know I haven't had a guest in quite some time, but that's going to change hopefully in the days and weeks to come. So I am forever grateful and thankful for you listening and downloading to this point. But please spread the word, let everybody know. And uh, again, uh, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking your time out of your day to uh, listen to the J Reels podcast. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby.